0: hi everyone welcome back to another episode of the reaching the summit podcast my name is todd buckingham and you can find me on twitter at reach summit pod i am joined today by
1: zach dash you can find me on twitter at zachary Dosh,
2: and greg steeman you can find me on twitter at greg steeman
0: so uh, after two weeks of our ratings plummeting greg is back so uh I, the I don't believe the pod, that
2: for a second. I don't believe that for a second. We know You're gonna have it.
1: to you're gonna have to carry us through this one.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but it is it is good to have you back, Greg. Um I I I don't know what the numbers actually look like. I might have made that part up, but uh good to have you back.
2: Yeah, it's good to be here as well. And 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 if the numbers went up, then I would suggest uh you guys go with a two man show from here on out. But I'm looking forward to tonight's <laughs> broadcast, put it that way
0: that sounds good well so what i thought we would do this week is like every week go through kind of the the games that we got for the week um and just what that means for the standings and all that and then i have a few a question for each team and we'll see how we get through all of that and then if we go off on other, other tangents so be it and and we'll kind of go from there um one other just kind of programming note i want to bring up for those of you also interested in Women's Summit League Basketball, uh, we we started a women's podcast. Uh, Jordan Decker, Madison, and uh, Scott are the three um, hosts, and they, they can be found on the website, so reachingthesummitpodcast.com. That is yeah. on the website. It's the first episode just dropped today, so we're really excited to expand into the women's game as well. Um, as it, as, you, as many know, it has quite the following um, for a mid-major women's college basketball conference as well. So, all right. So on to the the games, and I, I get, Greg, I think we'll start with the Western Illinois North Dakota State game. It was maybe the biggest surprise of the week. Uh, it was at uh, North Dakota State. You were calling that game. Um, just want to give some initial thoughts on that game. Western Illinois broke out. To, to start the game North Dakota State uh made a big comeback and and then went into overtime and Western Illinois scored all the points except the last two um in overtime
2: yeah it was um I thought it was a very impressive performance by Western Illinois and and uh you know I'll address Western Illinois first you know to their credit uh they got to Pearson back I don't think he played in Grand Forks on Thursday and they really went with six guys, logged the majority of the minutes up in Grand Forks, and were able to get a win up there. And I think Pearson coming coming back helped eat some minutes up. And I thought he did a good job. And uh, Masner and 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 Berisic were were uh, were just impressive. I mean, Western Illinois just pounded the paint, looked for mismatches, and got their bigs um, typically matched up on whether it was Sam Griesel or Tyree Eadie. Whoever Rocky Cruiser wasn't guarding, and and they uh, they established that mentality early. Uh, North Dakota State continued to defend, you know, one on one in the post, and and uh, and I, I just thought, and I think Dave Richmond alluded to this. He wasn't pleased with the energy that his team came out with, and it's that's kind of hard to understand, especially because they they found themselves in a 20 point, you know, in a 20 point deficit against South Dakota State last week, you know, in, in, you know, in their most recent home game. And that's a pattern that you can't afford to get into, especially against a talented team like Western. And I think Mizzo and I both referred, you know, alluded to it during the broadcast. This is not, this is not the Western Illinois that most of the Summit League fans have gotten, gotten to know over the past decade. This is a team that uh, is, is extremely, I think, very talented and, and very versatile. Especially their top seven guys, when they have those guys playing. Dixon off the bench, I thought was really good. And I think you alluded to it in in a conversation between the three of us, Todd, that he's just one of those guys that at at the end of the night, you you realize that he probably found a way to get you three or four extra possessions somehow, some way, whether it was a loose ball or on the offensive glass. Yeah. Uh, So I I think first and foremost, first and foremost, excuse me, credit to Western Illinois. I I, I thought uh, Rob Jeter has his guys ready. And, uh, and then to withstand that, you know, and North Dakota state seem to be taking the momentum into overtime and they come out and present just a couple of back-to-back threes and, uh, they're, uh, that that's a quality win. That's as good a win as there's been in the league this year. And that probably matches South Dakota state's road win in North Dakota state as well.
1: Right. I think, yeah, I think this is one of the f- first few, um, perceived upsets, I guess, maybe it shouldn't be perceived as an upset. I, I really don't know. Um, you know, so I did the, the UND Western Illinois game um, the, on the Thursday before. And honestly, I thought UND had them. I totally thought UND had them. Uh, UND dug themselves a, a little hole. They came all the way back. Um, but they were getting what they wanted against Western Illinois. I was, uh, you know, they didn't have Tum- Mel Pearson, but I was kind of like, man, Western Illinois definitely looks vulnerable. I, I didn't think they're, Western Illinois defense was quite, was quite what it could be. Um, And then, so to see them come out against NDSU and have a 14 point lead at half, Mm -hmm. that really kind of raises an eyebrow. I mean, both ways really. Right. I mean, in terms of Western Illinois, offensive production. And also, you know, your NDSU, you have a bunch of seniors, you have one game that week and you, you can't bring energy. Like, what is that? that? I don't know what that is. I don't know what that is, but it's, it's something. It's something to kind of make note of because that there's just no way that should happen. Particularly because, like I said, they're all seniors, but they do a good job of policing each other. You know, it's rare that Coach Richman really has to get after those guys because they're getting after each other first. And I don't know. It's just an odd situation. I think, like what you said though, Todd. Like the credit goes to Western Illinois here, man. They just a very successful road trip, a road sweep. You know, a very precious road sweep. Trent Master, thirty one points. Uh he's a really good player, man. Yes. And uh the more aggressive he is, the more aggressive their offense is. You know, it almost feels like he kind of lets his opponent off the hook sometimes by not being in attack mode a hundred percent of the time. But that's because, you know, he has Colton Sandage out there and he has Will Carius out there and he has all these other guys out there, and it's just like, you know, he, he wants to spread it around and stuff like that, which is which is good, you know, but I mean, credit to Western Illinois for, for handling NDSU with Will Karras only scoring 11 points. I get this, it's not all about points, but man, Will Karras is good. And he only scores 11 points, that is an opportunity for his opponent.
2: Um, so, I don't know. It, it, this, was, this definitely raised an eyebrow. Um, it does. I, I, and I'm just going to, you know, kind of echo a few of your sentiments. You know, neither team was great defensively. I think Western Illinois ended up at, 50%, I think NDSU ended up at 48%. So neither one showed the type of half court defense it's going to take to compete for a league championship. But at the same time, I just thought the 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 weapons that western when I was able to lean on and, and the the mismatches that they they I mean that that's what they were looking for. And uh, I mean there were times when Barisic probably had a a four or five dribble back down and and, and finish. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it was like watching some old NBA games. You know, where you right they would never send that second defender and and he just finished and and I I give him credit. And then and then to come out and hit two big threes uh, at the beginning of overtime, it just kind of sealed the deal for Western Illinois. So I think you know and and you know in full disclosure, NDSU is you know Grant Nelson got dinged at Omaha late in that game. Didn't play at Denver. And, uh, but with the experience of NDSU and the depth that they have, even without a Grant Nelson, I mean, they could have used his length. There's no question about that. Um, that. That's still a team that you, I think all three of us thought, okay, maybe they're getting their momentum back. They, go, they get that road sweep. They come home. Granted, St- the St. Thomas game doesn't happen. So maybe that throws you off a little bit, but every right. coach in the league right okay. now has has to say, Hey, if there's one thing we should be prepared for, it's the unexpected. It's the who knows when we're going to play a game. And so we can't use that as a as a, as a cop-out. No team can. And because they don't know when they're going to be playing for sure. So I, I think it's a ton of credit to Western Illinois. And I think NDSU, yeah, NDSU has two home losses already in the league. Granted, they're two, two good teams. But in order for them to get that back, they've got to find a way to go into Macomb. They've got to find a way to go into Brookings and, and, and at least give themselves a chance in those games. The one thing I'll say, man, I love this upcoming
1: matchup between South Dakota and Western Illinois. That game is going to be super fun to watch. If you ask
0: me. Yeah. Yeah. It it might help us figure out because South Dakota now has won three in a row, mm-hmm. um, albeit against North Dakota, Omaha, and Denver. After losing three in a, in a row, both teams at 500 in the conference. It's kind of a, where are these teams at kind of game.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, even I, just the, the, the individual personnel matchups, like you right. gotta love that. I mean, like NDSU or uh, USD's guards versus Western Illinois. And then the big guys, I mean, it's just, it's going to be a fascinating
2: matchup. Yeah, it will be, it will be. And, and like you said, you know, are, are the wins against the top of the league? No, but we've talked about this in past seasons too. Gaining momentum, gaining confidence saying, Hey, this stuff will work. I think USD is getting healthier. Um, they've, they've, you know, they've, they've got some depth, uh, but I think Boogie Anderson continues to play with an elevated level of confidence as well. So I think he kind of gained some of that in the second half of a loss in Brookings, but he was someone that I. It, it seems as though uh, Coach Lee has some more confidence in him now, keeping him on the floor because he can go get his own. And so I, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup, also.
1: Yeah. Boogie's a tough matchup really for anybody. You really don't know who to put him on. He's bigger than you think he is. He's more yeah. athletic than you think he is. Um, and then, you know, obviously Mason Archambault is really kind of taking the next step. I mean, if he starts scoring around 20 points a game, South Dakota's totally different. They really are.
2: I agree. Archambault has, has been impressive. And and I, and, and I've actually been impressed with him, some of his playmaking ability on the defensive end too. He's got yeah. some pop and, uh, And he's playing with a high level of of confidence also. So I think uh, USD is going to be a dangerous team. They're showing it.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, and uh, Boogie Anderson has not shot a three-point – has not had a three-point attempt in his college career. And uh, Coach Lee was asked on his coach's show if he ever will or should, and he said no and no. Um, So it must just not be his thing. But I do want to get a shirt made that says I'm – not taking the shirt off until Boogie Anderson shoots a three. <laughs> but,
2: uh... Well, it, it's it's nice to have kids that have great self awareness. They realize yeah. that you know what the reason I'm on the floor is because of what I can do inside the arc, not from beyond the arc.
1: And and it works because he's surrounded by a bunch of guys that can shoot. You're right. You know, I mean, Comitario's he can he can spread it. Uh, obviously, Archambault and Ferrell Hunt. I mean, they're they're all. They, they can all shoot it. And so he can kind of do his thing. I mean, the other teams know what's coming. Like they can read a scouting report. They can read a box score. They're giving him a step. Mm-hmm. And he does this little right to left crossover, like damn near every single time. And then that gets him into the paint and then he just elevates. Cause he's, like I said, he's bigger and more athletic than you think. And that's all it takes. He yeah, just keeps, he can, keeps it simple. Yeah.
2: And he can finish through contact too. He's a physically, yep. physically strong player. I agree. Yep.
0: So Greg, I want to quick just go back to North Dakota State and, and yes. ask a question, and both of you guys can can answer this. Uh, but you've alluded to it in the in the past, and it, it seemed like it caused problems in the Western Illinois game. Uh, Coach Richman just doesn't double the post, and you know at the at the halftime break he was interviewed and he said, you know, we just got to be tougher. But then from maybe a layman's point of view, it's like you've got Sam Greasel guarding Luka Barisic. Well, there's a 5-inch height difference. Is that a toughness issue or is that a just a mismatch issue? Yet at the second half, they didn't really change their philosophy and Western Illinois had a lot more problems. It, it, it that am I correct and that's just his philosophy we're going to we, we want to outwork you in the post and we're not going to double or or did I am I off on that a little bit?
2: No, I think you're actually I think you're spot on, Todd. And and the one thing that I I choose not to do is, is question any coaching, and I don't think you're doing that at all either. It's, no, I'm not. No, nope. you're not. And you're observing a philosophy. And uh, I think what the one thing they did change a lot is anytime Pearson or Dixon were on the floor, in the business, I guess we we would call it dorking them, where we would where that defender would sit off and try to clog the lane. And so I think that allowed Rocky Cruiser and other the other uh, people when Rocky wasn't in the game to kind of sit in the paint and discourage that post-entry pass, or at the very least, force them to get that that post catch maybe three or four feet farther away from the basket. And I think that's one of the things, you know, Sam and Tyree are both strong, physical kids, a little bit undersized, have to defend post players, but they're both smart. And I think that's one of the lessons they'll take from the West Illinois game is how much harder you have to work early in the possession before – the person you're defending ever gets that catch can you really make it tough can you get to a front or at least kind of a quarter front where you're forcing them to have to step away from the basket to get a catch and I thought NDSU did a better job of that in the second half but it really cost him in the first half because I thought Barisic had his way
1: right I I think the thing that I'd caution like most fans uh against is yeah I mean we can see if you know, a team is struggling with one thing or another that, you know, an adjustment could be made. But like, if it's obvious to the fans, it's obvious to the coaches, but the key is, is like not every team does everything the same. Like there's some teams that just have weaknesses and they may not just do it very well. Like, like we know, like the, the, the theory behind doubling in the post and then sprinting out of it for coverage based on where the ball's passed to, Like everybody does that. Everybody does that in high school. Like, like that concept is fairly common. And so clearly if NDSU doesn't do that, it's because they're just not comfortable with how well they do it. And they probably do other things better. And so it's, it's a, it's just an approach that they're just going to stick with. So it's not always about what can be done. It's just how well are you at doing it. And, and so, like, that's kind of the other way that the other thing I don't want to throw in there when it comes to NDSU. I mean, obviously, Coach Richmond's been with these guys for four or five years. He knows yep.
2: them, right? And, like, And, Zach, to your point, in this day and age, we know how much the three-point shot impacts the game. And, and that's one of the things that people look at. We don't want to be in scramble situations. We don't want to be, especially against a team like Western Illinois, where Sandage was quiet. But we all know how good a shooter he is. Masner will carry us, for gosh sakes. If they're getting it, you know, kicked out and, and one or two passes later shooting an open three, they, they feel like that causes more damage than maybe a one-on-one scoring opportunity in the post. And so I think it's commitment to a certain philosophy and, say, and it says, hey, this is why we're going to focus on that and why our people have to do a better job in the post of making that a more difficult scoring opportunity, even if a guy does have a four or five-inch height uh, advantage.
1: And Brissick really hasn't hurt many teams in the post like that this year. No. You know what I mean? Like he didn't do anything in the post against UND. Like pretty much nothing. You yeah. know, he, he shot some jumpers, missed them. Um had a pretty quiet game. Uh yeah. so I I don't know. Um it, it's just one of those things you get out a good half, but I don't think that's why how they guarded the post. I don't think that's why they lost the game. And that's kind of where I would turn my my attention to is like it was maybe on the list, but not at the top of the list.
2: Yeah, and I think it's on the list just because, you know, you give up 50% shooting. Most teams aren't going to win those games if you give it up 50%. And so regardless of whether some of those are high percentage shots in the paint or clean looks from behind the arc, whatever it might be. I And that's why I think, yeah, it's more of a, and I think Dave will probably stick with this. It, it's a it's a mentality issue with his team right now. They have to understand <laughs> that have a, a sense of urgency they, they they know right now it doesn't matter where the games are played, they better find a way to to, to stack some wins together. And they've got four straight on the road coming up. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and Zach, I want to we, we touched on South Dakota, so I want to touch on a point there too. You've often brought up the fact that Coach Lee has found a way to make guards that maybe we weren't even expecting to be big parts of their team and, and uh, high-level players in the league. It, it's at first, we this season we maybe didn't think that was the case, but look at what Boogie Anderson and uh, Mason mm-hmm. Archambault both who really played pretty limited minutes last year. That there, he's it's kind of feels like it's happening again.
1: It's kind of funny how that happens. Like it's good to be somewhat right every now and then because <laughs> cause it, like that, that's that's exactly what we said. It's just like all right, uh, we don't see it here, but he's been in the situation before and figured it out. So they get the benefit of the doubt. And that's exactly what's happening here. Boogie Anderson in the starting lineup, you know, it was a situation that we thought was initially going to be kind of a step back. Maybe it ends up being a step forward. Cause I like the group that they have. I really like the group that they have. They play tough defense. Cause the other thing, you know, the other thing that we haven't talked about with Boogie Anderson is he brings kind of an extra dimension on defense. I mean, yeah. he's a really, really versatile player and South Dakota is just really physical on defense. Like their guards are all big and strong and just, they bump the cutters. Like you cannot cut through the middle of that South Dakota defense. Whereas like Western Illinois has a different philosophy, philosophy mm-hmm. and you're able to move more freely. Um, but they just, yeah, I mean, here, here, yeah. Boogie Anderson, Mason Archambeau, you know, all of a sudden it's just like, man, This is kind of like deja vu all over again with, with sort of their guard development. They're both big, physical, strong players that have a, they they understand their skill set and they understand how to get their own shot and how they can affect the game. And they stick to it. Like I I've always said, I think South Dakota, they like year in and year out, they have one of the most disciplined teams um, physically and mentally every single year. They're tough. And uh, they're just, they're they're just kind of rounding into shape. Now he's as, as you see, you're starting to see a little uptick in the offense. So,
2: And, you know, know. Throw, throw Cruz Perro-Hunt in there, too. You know, with his I – mean, he's, yeah. he's lead, leading him in scoring, and he's a big physical player. And then they pulled the red shirt on the Kutra kid. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I think he can shoot it, which is – that's always been something that it, it, you always wondered, you know, their uh, – uh, USD's ability to cons- consistently shoot it from the perimeter. And I think they found a, a kid – you know, it's going to be a role – a role-playing situation for him but Kucher seems to be a guy they have some confidence can knock down some shots so I think they're improving their depth we'll see if Xavier Fuller you know you know when they can get him back and all of a sudden they you know they uh, I, I kind of and I've said this and, and they still have to prove it different because their three wins were against you know some uh, the, the bottom end of the league but they've got to prove that their ceiling is higher than what it's perceived to be without a moody and, and puts there because basically it's a for the most part, you know, outside of Goodrick, it's, it's, for the most part, it's the same group of guys, but they are playing with more confidence. And, and if they can add some depth, they're always tough to play against, as you mentioned. And I will echo that sentiment. They're always a sound defensive team in the half court.
1: Yeah. I think Goodrick had like 18 or 19 rebounds against UND.
0: Yeah. Something like <laughs> he was that just, is right. Yeah.
1: He was just on the weak side, just gobbling off every single time. Yeah. Well,
0: and, and Zach, the, Shoot, I just blanked on my point. Um well I'll, I'll move on to something else. I was gonna say something and I lost it. So we'll go to something different. Um yep. Kansas City, Omaha, Oral Roberts. So Kansas City beat Omaha, lost to Oral Roberts, Omaha lost to Kansas City and uh um and to South Dakota pretty bad. Um so that that kind of brings me to what what my point was going to be. South Dakota State, Oral Roberts, both with six wins in conference, Oral Roberts with a loss. North Dakota State, they've dug, dug themselves a little bit of a hole at three and two in conference, some because they've um haven't played as many games because of COVID or what have you. What do they gotta do to to close that gap and are Oral Roberts or South Dakota State going to let them?
2: Well, they've got to get some road wins. Like you said, they've yeah. already lost two at home. Yeah. And I think they've just got to, they've got to say, you know what? The heck with it. I don't care if we're playing at home or on the road. We've got to be better. We've got to be tougher. I know Grant Nelson and Andrew Morgan sitting out right now. It doesn't help them, but they're still good enough to be a team that should, should be a tough out no matter where they play. Um, and, and normally when when they're, when they're at their best or, or playing what we expect from them, they're always sound defensively. They're really good on the glass, and they take care of the ball. And that's yeah. that's what you have to do to go get road wins. And so uh, that's going to be a challenge for them. I mean, you got Kansas City and and uh, and Oral Roberts, you know. And then all of a sudden you've got uh, uh, you know the the South Dakota road swing. I mean, it's it's not going to be easy coming up here nice. for them and Dave Richmond is always the first guy to say it and I respect him for it. We got to worry about us. We got to take care of us and we got to be the, the the best version of themselves that they can be and I think right now they, they they I'm I'm guessing Dave Richmond's challenging his guys to say you know what we need to take a look in the mirror right now. And uh, we got to have to get back to the hallmarks of what's allowed us to be uh you know a, a consistent participant in the in the big dance and that is the, a toughness a defensive approach, uh, a grinded out approach at times in the half court offensively and, uh, and taking care of the ball. So I think that's the challenge. They, they've got to go steal some wins. And right now they've got to forget about whether or not they're playing their home or on the road. If there's an opportunity to get a W, they got to find a way to get, get it done one, one game at a time.
1: Yeah. I don't want to say it's a dangerous situation, but it's, it's a little precarious here. You know, the St. Thomas game getting canceled, losing two at home, and then going on this four-game road trip, it's a precarious situation. They could lose all four. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, what do they have to do better? Well, I mean, we could sit and talk about some X's and O's things, but, you know, it'd probably be a waste of time because we know that's not really going to happen. What's going to happen is exactly what Craig said, and that they're just going to focus on themselves, and they're just going to try to do what they do even better. That's really it. You know, I know that's not necessarily great analysis or anything like that. It's but, accurate, but but that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So it doesn't really pay to talk about anything else. So, um, you know, they're, they're and this is kind of an easy one to prefer in terms of analysis because you just kind of go back to what they've been doing. Um, obviously, you know, I I think it go it comes back to guarding with them. Like they're just, I just don't see them ever going to be comfortable playing games in the eighties. You know, I think that's really kind of the danger zone for them. Uh, And so if they if they keep games in the 60s and 70s, I think they're you know by and large going to be fine. And I think they did lose the game last year at Kansas City, right?
2: I'm trying to think where I I thought they lost
1: at Kansas City. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think yeah, you're probably right. Yeah.
1: But you know, you you could look at it kind of like a precarious situation, but you could also look at it like, man, what if they sweep this upcoming weekend? That that makes you feel a whole lot differently. So, I mean, certainly nobody's panicking, but um, you know, you're, you're keeping an eye on situation on the situation here pretty closely. So, they 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 need a they need to improve a little bit, and they've been in the situation before and came through. So, um, we'll we'll be watching things closely.
0: Well, and it's part of why I brought up, and I'm glad you guys brought up the four game swing that's coming up, because it, they, I mean, it's tough to be as far down as they are right now. Uh, you know, with the two teams with three more wins than them, but yet they play both those teams. Mm-hmm. It's an the opportunities right in front of them. And at the same time, go, they're going to Kansas City, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And to Oral Roberts. Exactly. Nita, I mean, that's a tough swing. And then, yeah, that's the same way to the Dakotas, South Dakotas. It, it's such a tough four-game swing. It, it's It's really one of those... We'll find out where they are by the end of that four-game swing because it'll go one way or the other. And, and even two and two kind of hurts just where they're at right now. So it's it's a really tricky four-game swing for them. Yeah. And nothing easy about Kansas City, even if they're kind of in the same spot in the standing, so to speak.
2: No, um, they'll, they'll drag into their style no matter what.
0: Exactly. Yep. So a, a quick question and I didn't put this on the list for you guys so I'm kind of, kind of putting you on the spot a little bit but as you, you know we've talked on and on about Oral Roberts so I, I don't want necessarily want to go into the same stuff you know it's kind of the same talking points they're they're really playing pretty well right now um, starting to look a little bit like the team at the end of last year. So here's my question is Max Asmith the best player to ever play in the summit League? Oh
1: wow.
0: (laughs) Sorry. Mm. I know it isn't
1: even on the list. Interesting. You know, you're, you're kind of comparing, uh, you know, which one of your kids is the favorite, right? Right. Right. Uh, You know, um, there's been a lot of very unique players throughout the course of the league. Yep. Um, you know, as far as I, you know, as far as I've been involved, which, you know, which is kind of like the modern day summer league, I mean, he's probably the best scorer. Like I feel pretty comfortably saying that, but, you know how you define best player? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's room for interpretation there.
0: Right.
2: Well, I I just and he's fantastic. He's he's as he's a great player, a great summer league player. He's a great college basketball player. I just sit here and look at John Conchar had 15 points and 17 rebounds the other night for Memphis.
0: Right. Yeah. Right.
2: <laughs> and yep. and we were all I, I don't I mean we weren't having this podcast throughout the entirety of his career, but he is, from my standpoint, he's one of the best players to ever walk through this league. Um, as far as multidimensional, he played everything from the one to the five, for goodness sakes. Mike Dawn, you know, his, he continues to make money over in Europe. And, and you know, I think he was, what, was he two or three-time conference player of the year? And so, put it this way, Max Aismas is an elite company. Elite company. He's fantastic. Uh, you know as well as anybody is worth the price of admission, Todd, because you've yeah. you you made the trip to Tulsa to watch him play, and um, yeah, he's he's certainly in the conversation for one of the best ever to put on a seven league uniform.
1: And you know what though, I give him bonus points obviously for winning the conference tournament and making it to the Sweet Sixteen. I give him huge bonus points for that. I mean that's like the truest test of you know is this sort of a mirage or is it real? And you know his production level is real. Yeah, that's
2: that's a good point, Zach. I really like that. And and every, all three of us, when that ball left his hand, thought they were going to the Elite Eight. Oh uh, man, so yep. that's that's how good he is. I yeah, great question.
1: I I did watch uh, Kevin O'Banner and Texas Tech play Kansas State. Um, so sorry to Brad Newett about this, but um, or no, did Kansas State beat them? I couldn't remember. I was on, uh, I was I was doing a a workout, a bike workout, so I was kind of getting a little fuzzy for a minute there, but uh, no, but Kevin O'Banner, he's, he's playing pretty well too, but yeah, he's kind of, um, he's almost more of a role player for Texas tech. He's yeah. he's k- kind of a tweener, not like a true post, but not really athletic enough to be a wing. So I don't know. I'd be curious to see what the next level has for
2: him, but he does log a lot of minutes and, I, and he does the same, same way a Mude yeah. does for Arkansas. Those are two yeah. of the, of the transfers where you go. Yeah, that made, you know, that made sense. That's hard to argue. Yeah. Don't argue that one.
0: Well, and I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, but since we're talking Asmus, I want to shout out to two players, and then we've already talked about Mitchell Sucker and his academic excellence. Not only is he a great basketball player, Max Smith is a biomedical chemistry major with a minor in some sort of mathematics. Mm-hmm. Um, and then somebody commented on the, on the post, Damani Hayes from South Dakota is a biomedical – engineering major yeah so like somebody I, I i commented back i'm pretty sure summit league is going to dominate the medical field in about three years <laughs> well, well there was
1: yeah yeah there, there was some connection between damani hayes and mitchell suker like i think they both played at south dakota state school of mines oh really so I Oh think, yeah, i think that's right. Were, i think they were like teammates or something like that but here's the ultimate test if mitchell suker can come up with a device to heal his ankle <laughs> right. that's that's right. next level right there that's next level he's probably working on it right. he's trying it, yeah. yeah
0: well and and i had commented on twitter too i said i'd just love to be there for a conversation between the three of them i wouldn't understand any of it but yeah. it would be fascinating to to listen to i don't think i'd have much to
1: offer but no yeah. no i wouldn't have anything to offer
0: but yeah. it would just it it, it is pretty incredible. I mean, we we sometimes forget that part of these college athletes that they yeah. do some pretty incredible things in the classroom and potentially outside of it as as they get older too. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. So let's let's swing over to North Dakota since we brought up uh, Mitchell Sucker and my question I had for you guys, and then we'll just kind of um, go into North Dakota and where it's at. Clearly, the effort is there. It's been great effort their last couple of games. We talked about Brady Danielson and his efforts. Will effort alone lead to better results for them, or is there something else needed? Is there something else that they can find? Maybe it's the health of Mitchell Sucker or what have you. It, will effort give them better results, or is it – because at some point the moral victories even get kind of old.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, you, uh, you have to combine it with execution, you know, I mean, cause effort alone certainly won't get it done, but you know, their execution is getting a lot better. You know, therefore it was about, what was that? Like a, like a month and a half ago where like literally everything was going wrong and they were giving up like 55% to their opponents and they were shooting like 35% and they were turning the ball over like 15 times. That's like, Oh my God, where do we start? Like, like literally everything is wrong. And then people were dropping like flies and getting hurt and, Caleb Nero goes down and Mitchell Stuker goes down, then it's just like the world's ending. But then from that point forward, they have started to narrow it down. So, like defensively, they're never going to be like a great defensive team, but they've gotten much better. Like they they've really uh kind of expanded what they do. I think they've gotten rid of some of those zones that they've, you know, were kind of thrown out there from time to time that weren't great. Um, but their man to man defense has been better. Their rebounding is pretty good, actually. You know, they've been getting a good amount of offensive rebounds. Um, offensive execution is, uh, is okay. I mean, really what it's, it's kind of funny. They, I not, not funny, but just ironic that they've been playing kind of the same game, these last three games where they start out. Okay. And then about halfway through the first half, they hit this dry spell mm-hmm. and then they go into half with like a downtown and then the whole second half, they spent getting right back up into the, into the game. Yeah. You know, it's just like, if they could just avoid those little blips in the first half where they get down by 10, they'd be right there. You know, they, like I said, they had Western Illinois, they had them and inexplicably they, so they have the ball oh, and and they just threw the, threw away the inbounds pass. It just, it was unbelievable how they did that. And then the play before, um, Reed grant was just in a defensive stance to the, the, the defender swung through the South Dakota. So this is in the South Dakota games. The South Dakota defenders swung through, hit him right in the side of the temple and they called it a foul on Reed Grant somehow. I, they tried to give us an explanation that the defender was swinging his elbow up. So that wasn't a foul.
0: Mm-hmm. Was yeah, a foul I forgot about Grant. that. It took me a second. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
1: sorry, I'm jumping in between games here. But just kind of saying that, like, both these games are coming right down to the wire. and Just yeah. odd things are happening. So, yeah, South Dakota, they, they, they said, so Reed Grant's in a defensive stance. So he's not, like, trying to take away a guy's air. The the offensive player swings his elbow. They say he swung it up, hit him right in the temple and
0: yeah. they said
1: that was a foul on him rather than a flagger one so i mean literally both the south dakota game and the western illinois game they could have easily won those and so i mean you're right nobody's getting a moral victory here but at least they've narrowed it down to the areas that they need to get better at and um they're, get, they're getting good efforts they're, I, I gotta believe that they're gonna get over the hump I, I i walked away from that western illinois game not that anybody is like rooting for anybody but like i'm like man that team has the worst luck I've ever seen. You know, I mean, in addition to some of the bad breaks and a lot of self-inflicted stuff that's gone on, they just cannot catch a break. Like, yeah. at some point, somebody's gonna miss a shot or something like that. And they're gonna get in the wind column, I think. Um, but they also need to get healthy, man. Like Mitchell Sucre, he's doing what he can. His his ankle is really bad. It's really bad. I mean, when it happened, they thought he was like done for the year type of deal. Mm-hmm. So wow. the fact that he's out there is down near a miracle. Well, Caleb Nero,
2: what do you say? No, I, I go ahead. You can finish that.
1: Well, and and then, you know, Caleb Nero, um, I I I have some thoughts. I uh, I'm not going to go as far as to say that he's healthy and not playing, but he's warming up. He's moving really well. Uh, he's moving like a healthy person. Um, but he's not playing, huh. and they desperately need another guard. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, you know, I'm certainly not, uh, his doctor or anything like that, but, um, you know, maybe this, if he's able to play soon, um, the fact that the St. Thomas game got moved to a time when both Mitchell Sucker and him are healthy could be a huge benefit for UND too. So, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a precarious situation now, you know, but the problem is, is okay. So you're making progress, right? You're getting better and better and better. And then you go on this four game road trip that is going to be tough for them, regardless. Um, so, I mean, you never know. But like I said, on the bright side, what if they snag one or two of these? You know, it could really change your feelings about it. We're looking at the standings here. Winning two games is can put you anywhere from what is it like fourth or something like that, third or fourth, all the way down to eighth.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, yeah. You know, I think UND, you know, playing hard is I. I've always said playing hard guarantees you nothing, but if you're not going to play hard, you have no chance. So I think the fact that they're playing hard is, is something that Paul says can build on. I think then what you have to do is, is realize and value the importance of every single possession, because late in that game, when UND cuts it to two, and then they, I think it was two. And then they go on that stretch of, was it two or three consecutive turnovers? It's just, those are the lapses that you can't afford to have when your margin for error is so slim and i think that's part of the challenge that paul Sather has in front of him is, is continuing to extract the effort from these guys but also at the same time helping them understand the value of each and every possession when you're a team that is going to have to make a lot of your own breaks and and and, and play error free for the most part to, to win games i think that's the challenge and so the, the, if the effort's there, you have something to build on, and I think they have something to build on, and, and I think they're going to have pretty soon. You can't worry so much about the standings anymore. Right now, your thought is we want to get into the conference tournament, <laughs> and, and whatever it takes to do that, um, it, it's a, it's you know lining up on a Thursday night and say we got to find a way to go one and zero, and then redo, re, recalibrating and saying we got to do that thing and same thing on Saturday, whether it's on the road or at home, and I think it you have a chance to find out that maybe there are some guys that you didn't expect some things from that you can count on more. And uh, I think that's a challenge for Paul Sander right now, because we, we've seen this and, and I'll, I'll encapsulate from this standpoint, there's not a big gap. I mean, SDSU is really, really good. And there are some amazing players with like Ace, at ORU and, RU. and uh, you know, NDSU has a record. They're not ecstatic about right now, but there's not a huge gap between the bottom and the top of the league at times. And, and, St. Thomas is a perfect example of that. They're they're in the middle of the standings, and and they've got every you know ninety four percent of their scoring is from Division three players last year, so it, I, I think that's the thing that people have to get past. It's not you don't have to make drastic improvements. You just have to make a consistent improvement, and, and then value each and every possession throughout the course of the game.
1: And the the last thing I'll add is you know with these teams that may not be winning as much as they want. Um, the silver lining to those situations is, you know, these players are revealing themselves to their coaches. Greg, you touched on it. You know, you better believe these coaches are making notes on, you know, roster management and this and that because, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, sure. Every, everything's great when you're winning games, but when you're losing, you know, are you more of a front runner? Are you mm-hmm. true a team player? Are you going to bail? Are you going to, what? you know, all that stuff is important for coaches to know because they gotta know who they can count on, right? I mean that that's that's kind of part of the issue with UND this year is they thought they can count on some guys to do to play at a certain level and to play certain roles and they can't. Um they can't afford that again, you know? And so they gotta know what they have. And so at least when you're losing, you're you're really sort of revealing yourself to your coaches and all that stuff. And so um I, I don't know, I don't doubt some adjustments will be made here. So
2: I-
0: Zach, one one quick question. You were looking in. Uh, you were kind of trying to find out of what with the uh, red shirt rules, if there was a game limit that a player could play and still red shirt. You never did find out the answer to that, did you? So
1: I, I don't think that changed for just red shirting. Um,
2: no, no, it hasn't. I mean, it, okay, if it's, if it's just a red shirt, you can't play. Okay, no, yeah, and. You know, it, 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 Division One football, they implemented the four-game rule where they can play in up to four games and still call that a redshirt year. Basketball does not have that. So if you're playing, you're playing, your redshirt's off. Now, if you're playing and get hurt and played in less than 25% of the games, that's where the medical redshirt comes in. That's allowable, Mm. and it's also allowable even if you've already taken a a normal redshirt. Yeah, so that was going to be my question. So you can redshirt first.
1: Yep. and then you can medical redshirt after. Yes, but you can't the other way. Like nope. you, like you can't you can't medical redshirt and then redshirt, right?
2: No, nope, nope. A medical redshirt kind of counts as your redshirt year if it comes if, if that happens first, so right. to speak. So because that's when, why we've seen some six year players even right. outside of the COVID era is because there right. are people that got hurt, they, they redshirted and then maybe in their third year they got hurt, got a medical, and then they were able to come back a sixth year.
1: Gotcha. Yeah. I hate to, hate to do the math, but it is just smacking me right in the face in the face now that Gail Nero got hurt right around that ninth game. <laughs> um, yeah.
0: That might've been why I asked.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, it's kind of the elephant in the room. Um, although I will say, um, I was the beneficiary. I mean, medical retro. Regist- like, so I, I can tell you what, the process is because I went through it and it's, unless it's changed a lot, it's totally bogus. <laughs> you, like I literally, I broke my nose. Like, so that was the year we were transitioning to division two played in the first, you know, eight or nine games. Cause that was the fun games. That was UND and NDSU. And, and I think we played Montana state, but, um, broke my nose in practice, literally practiced the next day and just sat out the rest of the year and got my whole year of eligibility back. So, <laughs> it's not like they bring in an independent investigator to look into these medical red shirts. It's, you basically write down, Hey, I hurt my nose. Okay. You get a year back.
0: <laughs> you like, didn't that's, even need a doctor's note, huh?
1: No, <laughs> I, I, I think like the trainer just signed off on it basically. Okay. So, so it's, interesting. yeah, it's, it's out there.
0: So I well, I want to touch a little bit on Omaha and Denver, but not as much about the, um play on the court let's be honest if if we were to talk about the two teams um we talk about the same stuff we've talked about the last few weeks so i have two questions one that i'm very interested in and then one that that um we'll get to if we have time so denver the denver sort of denver question is kind of how to build a team so we have western illinois that has mostly built a team with a new coach last year with the transfer portal, and Denver that, yes, has some transfers, K.J. Hunt, um, Jordan Johnson from the JUCO level, um, they brought in some transfers, but they've also brought in a pretty big core of freshmen. So if the two of you were building a team as a new coach in today's college basketball era, so not when the transfer portal didn't exist how would you build the team? Would you focus on freshmen? Would you focus on the transfer portal? Would you try to mix and match a little bit? What would be your way to build?
2: Well, I'll, I'll just say, I mean, I I've always believed in building it with, with legacy-type players. If you can get the four- and five-year players, I think you have the best chance to be successful. But right. I will also admit that the environment has changed drastically. And we are dealing with a different type of athlete. I'm not saying it's better or worse, but it's a different type of athlete in this day and age where if they feel like, you know, there's a better opportunity somewhere else, they'll go and the rules have been changed to the point where it makes it extremely easy for them to go. The other thing I'll do is I'll point out there's a difference between Denver, Colorado and Macomb, Illinois. Denver, Colorado is probably a little easier to recruit to and keep kids in just because of what Denver offers for these kids. Macomb, Illinois, I'm not, I'm not criticizing McComb, Illinois. It's a different type of place. It's, it's hard to recruit there. And I think what, what Rob Jeter has been able to do is sell the opportunity to make an impact and, and, and uh, be a, a transformational-type player or part of a transformational-type type team for Western Illinois from getting out of the, being that cellar dweller in the Summit League to a team that says, no, we can legitimately, legitimately compete for a championship in this league. So it depends on where you're at. It depends on how you sell it. The ideal way to do it is, yes, I would love to recruit every kid I have, be able to redshirt every freshman. You know what I'm saying? That's the ideal thing. It's just that today's environment doesn't necessarily make that the most, I don't know, um, um, realistic uh, situation anymore. So I think you you have to be able to be flexible enough And have the ability, but I still think whether you're going after transfers, whether you're going after freshmen, you really have to find guys and your staff has to be dialed in on this too. Who are the types of guys that can come in and play for the guy that's calling the timeouts? Who are the type of people that he will be comfortable putting on the floor? Who are the people that he will trust? And whether it's out of high school or out of the transfer portal, I I think that has to be something that the entire staff is dialed in on.
1: Well, this is the million-dollar question.
2: This is really a fantastic question.
1: Um, and, you know, I, I think the the easy answer is, you know, well, it kind of depends on what type of shape your program is that you're taking over, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's why, you know, I mean, NDSU, South Dakota State, and Oral Roberts, I don't think it's a question that they do largely focus on high school seniors. I know Oral Roberts dipped in the transfer portal a couple times pretty successfully um, but you know, like Max A. he was a high school kid and you know um they sent a couple other highly re- regarded high school players. You know, if you can do what Greg said and if if you can afford to be able to bring kids in, redshirt them, play them early, you know, develop, that's the best case scenario. Um <clears throat> that's probably that probably leads to the most consistent result. <clears throat> However, what happens in year one, two, and maybe three? You know, because UND kind of went through this, right? They bring kids in, talented kids, play them early. Kids have success. Do they transfer? Do they misread the situation? Can you keep that group together? Because obviously the worst case scenario is you bring in high school kids, you go that route, and then they're transferring every year. You know? Like, so that, you, you can't, I don't think you can get married to one way or the other. You have to find a balance, Because the other thing is, you know, you have 13 scholarships, but you can really only keep maybe eight mouths fed. So that means you have five guys on your team that you need to keep engaged, but aren't really playing. And so, you know, that's where redshirting comes in. I mean, the kids that come in and redshirt, and I know that's really kind of a thing of the past, but if you can do it right, it is totally transformational. I am a big believer that kids should go to a four year and red shirt and be a part of the weightlifting program and just really just immerse themselves in that for a year. It's extremely hard ego wise for a lot of these kids. They're not used to it, but if you can do it, it'll, you trade your worst year by far for your best year by far. So, um, and then you get your master's paid for and all this stuff. So um, but you know, it's, it's just a question of, you know, I, I, I do think you're kind of, you have that in the back of your mind as you're recruiting kids, like, okay, how, like, how is this kid coming to me? Cause that how he's coming to me is usually how I'm going to lose him. You know what I mean? Did, was this a kid that we've recruited for a long time? We built this great relationship and he has this major that he loves at our school and all this stuff. Or did he kind of fall into our lap at this last second? And he was hoping for a different mi- uh, uh, offer and didn't come and you know, all this stuff. And so there's just so much nuance to this and you really have to leave no stone left unturned because, you know, yeah, you you need some guys that can win right now. You need to, because that, that factors into recruiting and you can't just be playing all freshmen because, you know, what if they don't get the traction? What if they aren't the players that you think they are, you know? And so it really takes a balanced approach. Um, And it's tough. It's tough when you, like what happens, you recruit a guy, you put a lot of time into a guy and he's not the guy that you think he was. Right. Right. Do you, do you, do you keep on that scholarship or, and risk harming the team? Or do you tell him to go find another place because there's just not going to be playing time for him here and be honest with him and do what's best for the team. You know, it's tough, man. It's tough at this level.
2: And and I will say, I will just add quickly that the red shirt, thing with all the rule changes is it ideal it's absolutely ideal I don't know that it's practical anymore because I think coaches yeah. and rightfully so have said I don't know how long I'm going to have this guy I need to get everything out of him that I can if back in the day isn't it crazy um, you know maybe five years ago when you go yeah of course this, this young man understands that if he sits out and gets stronger and bigger and better his fifth year is going to be much more productive than what his true freshman year would be, but the, we, the, the long-term look isn't really embraced anymore. So I understand why coaches in now nowadays are saying, you know what? I don't know if I'm going to have this guy for for five years, let alone three years. I need to get out of him what I can. And I think so. I do think the redshirt year is becoming much more of an anomaly um, just because of all the rule changes. And I think coaches understandably, so are going to try to find a way to get anything and everything out of the guys that they think can help them win games. Um, cause that's what their job ultimately depends on. You know, it's just funny, the
1: butterfly effect of all these little rule changes, right? Because at first, you know, okay, there's no transferring. Okay. So then, yeah, what do you do? You try to just get as good as possible. You can at your school, your red shirt, you do, you do all this stuff. Um, nobody wants to sit out a year. That's devastating, right? It's devastating to sit out a year, especially if you probably already have. Um, but then they kind of give you this grad transfer rule, right? And so, you know, in my mind, okay, if you can grad transfer, that means that you come in, you redshirt, uh, you play maybe two years, you graduate in three years. And so if things aren't working out, you could transfer, be immediately eligible with three years of eligibility to play with left or two. Probably, too. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, which would be huge. You know, okay, so things kind of swing, swing back that way, and then now you say, well, you can transfer once and be immediately eligible. So now things swing back the other way, and I mean, clearly, it's an all hands on deck approach every single year for coaches, right? It's if a kid can help you, even if it's five or ten minutes, they're going to play on no doubt about it. Um, you, just, you just never know. I mean, coaches, administrators, players—it's a year-to-year basis. There's no more three to four year horizon out there. You do what you got to do to win as many games you can this year. And if you do, you get promoted. If you don't, well, then there's difficult conversations and you retool. So.
0: So one last question, question, I think we'll end the podcast with it and I didn't put it on the list. So I'm putting you guys on the spot a little bit with this one too. So I think at least in my opinion, the team that's left out of the Summit League tournament is between Denver, Omaha, and North Dakota. I'd be surprised if it wasn't one of those three teams. If put on the spot today, which is, I guess, what we're doing right now, who out of those three teams is left watching the Summit League tournament at home?
1: You know – I think Omaha has been by far the least consistent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. But will that matter or not? You know, I mean, they did take care of business at home against UND. Um. But then they just they just no showed again again against South Dakota. So I I don't know. I, that's yet to be decided. Um. I just, I really don't know. I mean, right now, UND needs to get healthy. If UND gets healthy, I feel much better about their chances, much better. Um, But if they don't get healthy, there's no one left to take those injured player spots is what we're seeing. So I would, I I think UND probably has the most question marks right now, Um, but they could easily find those answers.
2: Yeah, that's a tough question. By the way, the one team that we really haven't spent any time on tonight is South Dakota State. But anyway. Yeah, true. I I, I am going to jump on that. There's that
1: bias again.
2: Yeah, but I (laughs) I do think we need to. But I'm going to go back. To me, Omaha is the most perplexing. I watch them against Omaha or against USD. And I'm going, there's some ability out there. There's some talent. There's there's. Yeah. I, I, they, they're perplexing to me in, in many, many ways. Uh, there's something that I, and this might be a North Dakota bias where I think that I, I don't know. I, I, I just have a belief that UND will find a way to, to, to string some things together and uh, kind of go from there. Denver, I just think the way they play hard, I think, I think that coaching staff has done a nice job. Um, I can't make a, a bold prediction I'm just saying right now from my standpoint Omaha to me is the most perplexing team and it seemed to uh just some of their 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 losses have been just so um I uh, difficult to understand or difficult to digest so that's where I'm at Omaha to me has the most question marks
1: I'd like to think the effort that both Denver and UND is giving gets it done
2: you and know. by the way, thank you for saying that, Zach, because I think deep in my heart, that's kind of what I was hoping. That's my thought. Yeah. Was, I want to see that rewarded. And yeah, And that's exactly. just me being, because, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I value that. And and my thought is, with I'm not saying Omaha has top three level talent. I'm just saying I don't think they're a bottom feeder talent. And I'm just, if they had that. That edge and that toughness, that desire, that will, and that that willingness to go out there and compete their tails off every night. I don't think they'd be in the situation they are.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Well, and, and you know they've already they've already had a lot of home games too
2: in the conference. hmm
1: So.
0: Well, and and I'll answer this one too because I want to add one more point, and then I will ask the South Dakota State question. I'll be honest. Part of the we didn't purposely ignore them. No, Um, I know. It it just kind of happened, and part of the reason is there's not a ton more that we haven't said, but uh, um, it kind of ends up being the same talking points. But to answer the question that I just asked, the two games that North Dakota has to make up with with just the way wins are hard to come by, that could be challenging. At the same time, if there's a team that's going to implode, it's Omaha. And in that South Dakota game at, in the second half, it honestly felt like Omaha was trying to just get into a scrap with them. Like they were guys were getting knocked down all over the place. And it just felt like there wasn't even an attempt to make the basket. It was like the fight we're going to have is to knock you over and, and kind of start making it chippy, I guess. And, and so I just didn't understand what they were even out there doing. Well, and yeah, so, 101 points to South Dakota. Yeah, they weren't putting up the yeah. de- effort on defense. They were putting up the effort on knocking a guy over on a rebound.
2: And, and that's the thing. I, I don't think Darren Hansen's about that. And that, that's what gets concerning at times is, is, is you know, and, and if there's a coach in the league, I, I believe he can get his guys rallied. But you just haven't seen it yet. And and I just don't think that that's Deere and Hanson. I don't think that's what he's about at all, his chippiness or anything along along those lines. And so it's unfortunate that his guys kind of show that, especially in a blowout loss on the road. Yeah.
0: (coughs) So on to the South Dakota State question. This stat actually surprised me. Um, Because especially they had the year where they only lost one game in conference, but they must have lost early in the conference season. This is the first time that they went six games into the conference season without a loss in the Summit League. How that's, far can they take this? Yeah, I I'm, I heard it on the broadcast.
2: Yeah, that's shocking
0: uh, to me. And can, can, I don't know if I want to ask can they run the table, but maybe I do. Like, are, are they that good? I'm, How far can they take this?
2: I think they're really good. I, I I just here are the things that um, impress me. The con the conversation we had earlier. Baylor Shireman is in the Max Aesmus conversation. Baylor Shireman yeah. is in the John yep. Conchar, Mike Dom conversation. I'm serious. I yep. you watch him, and it's funny because it, 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 he's he might be the guy when you go to the park is like the ninth guy picked in the, in in a pickup game. Uh, I'm just by looking at him, I think he's, and, and somebody asked me on Twitter last week, you know, you know, compared Conchar and Shireman. And I said, well, Conchar is explosive, but Shireman's deceptively athletic. I just think Shireman's basketball IQ is, it might be at a level that we haven't seen in this league in a long time. And that's, that's not taking a single thing away from a lot of really great players like Sam Griesel and, and, and things along those lines. Um, Shireman's the, the the numbers that he can put up, and the manner in which he makes his teammates better is amazing. Um, yeah. But but then to to tack onto that, Luke Apple's improvement. Right now they're bringing both Luke Apple and, and Matt Dentlinger off the bench. Dentlinger was an all league guy two years ago, and he's still really good. Uh, you look at Charlie Easley's production. Alex Arians to me is the guy that goes, Oh, all right. I guess I had three points and six rebounds. The next night he'll go, well, I guess if you need me to score 19, I'll score 19.
0: Right. Yeah. You had 19 against Denver. Yeah, exactly.
2: And, And I just, he is out there going whatever it takes to get, help us get a win. And that's exactly what he's doing. And then, and then, uh, Zeke Mayo, um, Right now, I think he's freshman of the year. Maybe, I mean, people can prove me wrong, but I'm going – this kid is out there playing. Uh, I, I, I The reason I love to watch him is just his expression never changes. His demeanor never changes. His confidence level is always high, and, that, and yet he's not going out there and putting his team in, in bad spots by making bad decisions. He fits in amazingly well with this group, and the – I guess I'll steal – Zach's line, the elephant in the room is they're doing all this with North Right Elf sitting on the bench.
0: Right. Yep. Um
2: if if there's a team capable of it right now, there's they're they're as locked in as anybody else.
1: Yeah, I South Dakota State, I mean, it's like on offense they've reached enlightenment, you know? Like they a hundred percent know what they're doing. There's nothing the defense can really do about it um, you can't throw anything at them that they haven't seen or don't have an answer for So offensive end, you know, that's just really the best way that I could explain it is that they've reached enlightenment defensively though, they've gotten better. I don't think anybody's ever going to call them a great defensive team just because, you know, I think, I think they're a bunch of like good defenders. Uh, I don't know what they're, but, but, that's okay. Like that, that just, that also kind of comes with the pace that they want to play at too, you know? Um, But they've tightened it up though. There's like, you know, you can score on them, but they're, they're going to have less and less breakdowns. And so to me, their improvements on defense are directly leading to a more consistent performance. And they're like, the only thing that we could maybe knock them for is, you know, maybe a little inconsistency in the non-conference schedule, um, with the Idaho game, maybe the Washington game, but they've looked like they've cleaned that up to this point. Um, and obviously, we're not we're not there yet, but you know, they have already knocked off Oral Roberts and and NDSU pretty pretty handily. Um, so, I mean, they're right on schedule. They're getting better. They, I don't know if you want to call it dodged a major bullet or made a huge adjustment on the fly without it. Disrupting anything right. in terms of their personnel, uh, and that's probably the most impressive thing that they've done so far. Um, so, I mean, they're well, just right it, on schedule.
2: Yeah, and it speaks well to South Dakota State, where one of the concerns we have is that he lost to a Power Five team on a neutral court. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you know So we're reaching. So that, yeah, we're yeah, reaching and, definitely. Yeah.
2: Exactly, and that's and that's uh, that that's a credit to them. So no, they right now are. And even though ORU sits there and ORU has a quality road win at Western Illinois. um, But, but right now I I just think SDSU is, is the the team that everybody is gunning for right now. And rightfully so they're as complete as anybody is in the league.
1: And the the second time through the conference, it's always going to be more interesting. It always
2: is, you know?
1: So, I mean, nobody's, nobody's etching their name in the trophy yet, Um, but it's going to get more interesting. But right now, you know, they're, They're on schedule.
0: Well, and per Ken Palm, they're only supposed to lose per Ken Palm one game the remainder of the year, and that's at Oral Roberts by one. So, of course, a team can have an off game, game, and I'm not necessarily saying we should predict um, them to go undefeated in conference play, but they might be one of the best teams, if not the best team to ever play in the Summit League. And that's a year after a team went to the Sweet 16. Oh, just so balanced. So, so
1: balanced. Um, You know, and then the other part of this equation is not only what they're doing, but what is, uh, what are their opponents doing? You know, NDSU is not getting better right now. Right now, anyway. They certainly can, but, you know, just coming off the weekend, I think you can say that. Um, Oral Roberts... Yeah, they may be getting a little bit better. They may be adding a dimension with uh, Luffy Lay, and you know, but um, you know, they also have some ground to make up too. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. All right, with that, and and luckily we didn't. Uh, we probably would have gotten complaints if we didn't talk South Dakota State. So I'm glad we <laughs> asked that at the end. Um, but we did make them wait till the very last five minutes of the podcast. Oh, we, well, we had to
1: have our, our weekly praising of South Dakota State. Can't go without that, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, and you know, we're not exactly sure when the numbers count to have listened to it, so to put South Dakota State at the very end will help with the numbers, I would think. Uh-huh. But uh not that we did that that way on purpose. But with that, we will wrap up this week's episode and uh we'll talk to you guys next week.